Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I hope that you enjoyed your first Victory Monday in quite a while. I know I took a few extra moments to soak that in myself, but now it's time to get back to work as the Bears will be traveling all the way to L.A. to take on the 5-4 and four Rams on Sunday night. So to kick off our Week 11 preview, I sat down with Derek Ciapala of the Talk Rams podcast, who shared his insight on everything that you need to know about the Rams. So let's go right ahead and meet those 2019 Los Angeles Rams. Derek, I want to thank you for joining me today. We're now 11 weeks into this thing. Uh, your Rams sitting at 5-4, third in the NFC West. I think it's pretty fair to say uh, this is not what you envisioned entering the season. Is that a fair assessment? It is. Um, it's fair, but it's not totally unexpected. There were several different outlets out there that predicted that the Rams would have a sluggish start to the year. I remember even a couple of ESPN simulators having them at, starting at three and six before making a push late. I understand why. I don't think that we all entirely believed it, that it was actually going to happen that way. But here we are, five and four, and playoff odds at like 19% or something like that. It's not looking good. No, no, not looking good whatsoever. And speaking of things not looking so good, looking at your offense, uh, no touchdowns, I believe, in the last 19 possessions. Uh, has that McVay magic officially worn off in L.A.? No, I I have a really big problem with a lot of that media coverage out there now because if you have an offensive line playing that bad, it doesn't matter if you are the second coming of Christ. You're not going to, if you're playing at square, you're not going to be successful. It's not McVay in this case. I've heard a lot about McVay saying, you know, the people are adjusting him defenses, the Bears, the Lions, the Patriots will expose him, and he's not adjusting from last year. No, he's adjusted. It's on film that he's adjusted. But you can only go so far when your personnel aren't able to execute what you need to do. So he's been limited. He's been basically handicapped in terms of what he can accomplish out there. And also, to be fair, a lot of it has to do with some things that may or may not be within his control. And I'm talking about Todd Gurley. So 
I, I'm not ready to throw the baby out of the bathwater when it comes to Sean McVay. I don't think that it's on him. I think he's made mistakes, but it's not fair to label him as this, his genius being done and he's kind of the guy that needs to go. Understood. Now, you talked about the offensive line uh, that's being a serious problem, and obviously there's a lot going on. You have guys regressing. I know you've had some players switching positions. Uh, you've had players go down at injury. Can you help me make some heads and t- heads or tails of what's going on with that offensive line? Well, if you can visualize a moment, a large train wreck, there you go. <laughs> that's, uh, it's It started off with the idea being you're going to have Whitworth come back this year at left tackle. You're going to have Havenstein just sign extension at right tackle. You're going to have fourth-round pick Brian Allen stepping in for John Sullivan at center. At left guard, you're going to have Joe Noteboom, second-year guy, a guy you had in practice all year last year, taking rotations for Saffold and then finally filling that gap there at left guard. And then at right guard, Austin Blythe, who played – pretty well for most of the year at that position. Overall, you're having faith that the center and the left guard are going to be able to to grow and step in. The Rams had so much faith in this working out that they didn't play their stars at all in the preseason. This something did last. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Last year it worked out. We were nervous about that, and our nerves proved correct. And I think if they can go back now and, and redo this, they would probably change their mind. It took a couple of weeks of really bad offensive line play, but no boom started to come around, and then he tore his ACL. Brian Allen has shown flashes here and there, but center is an incredibly difficult position to play. Incredibly difficult position to play, and have him as basically a prospect that you're developing to be a starting center, then come in to be that center. It, it was a really difficult thing for them to try and pull off, and then, of course, last weekend, he tears his MCL. He's out for the year. But the real, real surprise to the offensive line is over there on the right side. And that's Rob Havenstein, who had a great year last year, signs his extension, and he's been absolute garbage this year in terms of consistency, in terms of defending the edge rush. On that right-hand side against the Steelers, they, uh, they embarrassed him. They, well, they embarrassed both Whitworth and Havenstein. But Whitworth has been – he's been getting exposed for what he really is. He really shouldn't be a right tackle. He's built like a right tackle, but he really should be inside a guard. He does not have that front step to be able to push back and quickly move to stop an attacking edge rusher. He's just not fast enough, not quick enough. And he's gotten exposed. I don't know if it's even worse. I think he had an injury, left the game this weekend. I'm not sure if anything was lingering. We, haven't got, we don't have a whole many details there. Uh, and then Austin Blythe played well last year, but late in the year got exposed. And teams, man, they, they've been abusing him. They've been abusing him at right guard. Uh, he did look better at back at center, though, when Allen went down. But that's the offensive line. Now they got a bunch of guys who weren't even there. Uh, Shelton, 
undrafted free agent. He'll be coming in there. They, they traded for Corbett from the Browns, a second, a former second rounder, but didn't make it to even win a starting position with the Browns. He's going to be in there, uh, I believe, probably at left guard. Blythe's going back to center. It's there's a lot. It, it's a train wreck. I mean, I'm I'm just trying to think what they're going to do. They're going to be Corbett left guard or Corbett right guard. It, where's Shelton going at tackle? And there, there are just still question marks on the on the depth chart right now. They have a go- Corbett at left guard. They have Bly the center and right guard, and have a center at right tackle. But that's not going to happen. Shelton's going to be there somewhere. He was listed as a center. Bobby Evans was the guy to come in um, originally, so who they thought it was going to be. But David Edwards, a fifth round draft pick, stepped in of late and he's played a lot better. He's probably he's actually been the only offensive lineman that we've seen develop this year for this team. They've all regressed. Uh, looking at Todd Gurley, obviously he's not getting the ball as often, and that's been a thing all season. 104 attempts on a year, which ranks 23rd. He's also 23rd with 428 yards on the ground. Uh, so obviously when I'm looking at his attempts per game, it's down five compared to the two previous seasons. Do you have any insight of why he's not getting those touches? Is it the lack of you know trust in that offensive line to really establish a run? Is it just keeping Gurley on the sidelines or utilizing him differently. What's the story there? Oh man, we wish we knew. We we wish we knew. It when he got hurt last year, the thought process was that they're going to manage him a bit this year. They're going to try and protect that knee. They just signed his big massive extension with lots and lots of guaranteed money. And I think in the end that's actually what it is. It's load management. We've had discussions on our show about Gurley's knee being affecting him in a way that he's not as explosive cut into a hole. But against Pittsburgh, when given the opportunity, that explosion was there. It was there. And then they went away from him. And he didn't play And again in the fourth quarter until late, to the last drive. So I can't really explain other than what we're seeing in – it was a, a quote that Vinny Bonsignor from the uh, Athletics, soon to be a Las Vegas Journal, had when he was covering the game this weekend. And he mentioned just somebody on, in, in discussion with someone on Twitter, how it's Sean McVay wants to give Togger the ball, Gurley wants the ball, but it's, he's saying more of it's an organizational thing. Again, it's, it's, um, what's it, what is it, uh, <laughs> it's a plan, basically, to protect him. It's organizational. And, you know, you got, that's, that's, it's not acceptable and it's not acceptable anymore that we don't know to, in a press conference last night, Sean McVay admitted that he should have used Gurley more, but that's just after we're being told that that's been part of the whole plan all along. Well, what is it? They're playing. They like to play these games with the media and I, with the fan. And I get why, because new England does this stuff too, where they don't want to communicate what's going on with injuries. They don't want teams finding out, but then what the re- end result is, is your own fans start questioning how, uh, where you are. They start questioning the job you're doing. They start questioning where the team's going, what their identity is, because you don't have the information out there to fans saying, listen, our guy's hurt, we're protecting him, or our guy, we're, we're trying to protect him long term, or we just don't know. They're not telling us anything. So by conjecture, it looks like, this is part of the organizational plan to protect him, but then what's the point? Because if you're trying to protect a, a $15 million dude by not playing him, 
then he's not really a $15 million dude anymore. Right. Now, obviously, I wanted to get to a moment to discuss some of those playmakers who are on the field. Uh, Cooper Cup, 7th in the NFL, 58 catches, also five touchdowns. Robert Woods, 45 catches this year, but he hasn't reached the end zone yet. And also, you're looking at some decent production out of tight end Gerald Everett. And I know that Brandon Cooks just went down to an injury. So I'm curious about the impact of that injury and just uh, why is this trio of Everett, Woods, and Cup having some good success? Well, first with Cooks, they aren't the same team overall going deep. He was brought in to be a deep threat. He was brought in to be a guy who can expose defense. He's just, the guy's just fast. And they they missed that a little bit, but they haven't gone deep much this year, period. They've they have not been willing to stretch the field as much as they as they were last year, partially because of lack of time in the pocket. Possible, you know, partially because they are looking to establish different things early in the game. Partially, I don't know. So his impact, it's there, but Gerald Everett kind of makes up for that. Gerald Everett emerged as a a main target now for Jared Goff. He is fast, athletic, can make some really brilliant catches in traffic. He's still developing. He's still going to make his mistakes. His route running isn't perfect. He still will drop a pass once in a while. But he's become more and more dependable, a guy who can make people miss even for his size. And that is a key thing that I expect the Rams to really develop more now as the season goes on. And they're going to need more two tight end sets with the offensive line being as bad as it is. For Cooper Cup, he's better now than he's ever been. Before his ACL injury, he came back this year faster came back as a better route runner. He is a guy now I think teams are, are realizing he's a legit number one receiver, which now means he's drawing number one corners against him. So I'm expecting to have, I'm expecting teams to really leave open guys like Robert Woods a little more now and Josh Reynolds until Josh Reynolds can prove himself. Cooper Cuss can get wrapped up a lot more than that last couple of games. Now, it, the other oh, options are there too. There's, I mean, yeah, the other options are too. Josh Reynolds, he should have been there. Should have been a penalty late in the game, fourth down, end zone. There it is, touchdown. Interfere with, they didn't call it. He had his guy beat. He made some really nice plays against the Steelers. He's been a guy who's flash potential. He could be a guy that develops into that deep threat. So he's a guy to keep an eye on as well. And then. Uh, Tyler Higby, their tight end, mainly a blocking guy. He'll he'll make you miss out there a little bit and is willing to be physical with corners as well. So there are a lot of weapons on this team. It's just about protecting the quarterback, Jared Goff, long enough to get those get the ball to those weapons. When I'm looking at the offense, two areas in which I've seen some uh, inconsistency, at least compared to last year, uh, third down. They're in the top 10 last year, but they currently sit 22nd in the league on converting on third down. And then this year, they're turning the ball over the sixth most of any team. With those two issues on offense, does it just kind of all go back and stem from the offensive line, or are there some other issues at play? We're still formulating this up because it's easy to just say it's the offensive line. But I think it's so many different factors that are involved in this. It, it, I, I think it starts with actually Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is the engine that makes this offense go. 
He's always been the engine that makes it go. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You'll notice that when he went down last year, the offense did okay at the end of the year when they brought C.J. Anderson in, but it still wasn't the same offense. If he's being limited in his touches, then teams are better able to adjust to what the Rams are doing. So his touches are limited. They now throw to the running backs a little bit less than 11% of their, their passing plays. That's not normally at all what the Rams have done the last two years. So if you're not focused on the run game, you're not being consistent there, the offensive line is never getting settled there. It's already a bad offensive line. You're not giving them anything to really work with commitment-wise. So the offensive line then comes in, and when put in that position, they're not performing well. And then when you're trying to throw the ball, it's not just the fact that people are getting the Jared Goff. It's how they're getting the Jared Goff. They're getting to the edges. So they're basically folding back the offensive line like you're folding a ta- taco. <laughs> I mean, it's the best way I can try and say it. So that the corners are coming in and folding around him. So Jared Goff can't get anywhere. He can't really roll out to escape coverage. He can't really step up because as that taco is coming around him, the bottom of it's moving up. It's not just a straight bull rush in the words. So he's got nowhere to go. So you're creating more turnovers through fumbles. You're creating more third and long situations because you can't run the football and you're and you're not being you're not able to give him time to really throw. And a lot of times defenses are wearing out come third and fourth quarter, but by then you're already in Jared Goff's head. He's not he's already got the happy feet. He's, he's making throws that are into coverage. The Bengals game second half was atrocious. Into coverage or just rush. He's rushing everything. So it's, a, it's hard to pinpoint one thing because it's really a package of things that have put the Rams in this position. But to give a straight answer on third downs at least, they're facing a lot more third and long than they were last year. And they're not able to run the ball well on third and short anymore. Well, up next, I'm going to get Derek's insight on the L.A. Rams defense. But before we do, I need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big they can just get away with not caring about the customer experience. With the millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. In an industry that tends to be stagnant, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. And SeatGeek is just simply a better process. They rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. And of course, they have that pretty nifty interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details. The green dots are the good deals. And the red dots are simply tickets that are just overpriced. And of course, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Everyone here at the Chicago Audible, we have the SeatGeek app on our phones, and by far it's the fastest and easiest way that we can shop for tickets. Nick used it last week when he went to the Bears-Lions game, and of course I like to look into it each and every week just to see 
how many amazing deals are left. And again, if you're looking at going to the game in LA, there are still plenty of amazing deals left if you want to go ahead and cheer on our bears over in California. And the best part of all is that SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first purchase. And all you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. Again, that promo code is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, and that gets you $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm sitting here with Derek C. Apollo of the Talk Rams Pod, and we are sitting here getting his insight on the Rams. And I want to switch some gears here and look at that defense that ranks 11th in total yards, 16th in points allowed. I want to know, Derek, are those rankings a good indicator of what type of unit that they've been this year, or have they played better or maybe worse than the stats indicate? Those rankings are a... uh... They're a poor indicator. Okay. You, you're going to include the, the Tampa Bay game in there, which was a total offshoot, the Seattle game. So those are back-to-back. Outside of those two games this year, the Rams' defense has been pretty dominant, especially in the last few weeks. It's very, very dumb. They'll make a couple mistakes here and there. There was a, a series of plays in the second half of the Steelers' game where, for whatever reason, they kept playing Nikel Roby Coleman off in coverage a far way. And they got like three first downs in that drive just by going the same area, the same guy, and the Rams didn't adjust. They, they do dumb things like this, but their pass rush has steadily improved throughout the year. You have different guys who can do different things pass rush-wise. Aaron Dom doesn't have the same numbers he had last year, but he's still causing the same kind of problems. And a lot of other guys are picking up sacks because he's so imposing up there that they're – Teams are triple-teaming. Pittsburgh's triple-teaming him yet on Sunday, like everybody else has been. But yet, he still gets his, he's still part of the safety. Clay Matthews, and they're getting sacks. Dexter Fowler's getting sacks. You name it, someone's getting in there on the quarterback. They're much better at stopping the run. They're much better at stopping the run. And pass defense-wise, I know we're hearing comments about how Jalen Ramsey has not been as effective since joining the team. That's true to a point. But it's also true that teams still avoid throwing at him. They went all all at Troy Hill the other day, and Troy Hill was okay. But overall, this Rams defense is very, very good. And it's getting better. There are weaknesses. In the middle of the field, you can really get them. But teams right now aren't able to even get there because they're getting enough push on the line defensively. They have a nice rotation of defensive linemen up front. They're able to come in and out of the game. They, they rotated a lot. They stayed fresh throughout much of that game on Sunday, even though the Steelers were controlling the clock for a while. And you know, if the, you know, Lindsay Theory from the uh, ESPN Los Angeles covers the Rams, she made a point during the game that if the, if the Steelers had, had an offense, they would have, you know, basically paraphrasing now, they would have blown out the Rams. The saying goes the other way around. If, if the Rams had an offense, they would have blown out the Steelers on Sunday because the Rams' defense – controlled the large portions of this game. Well, you talked about the edge rushers, Aaron Donald, well, not edge rushers, just pass rushers in general, Aaron Donald, Dante Fowler, uh, Michael Brockers, and Clay Matthews. And you said they can get to quarterbacks and do different things. Can you let our listeners know like what to expect from each of those guys? We, Clay Matthews came back from his injury last week. You're going to see Clay Matthews moved around a lot. Sometimes they'll put him in the middle. Sometimes they'll put him off the edge. Sometimes they'll kind of just move him somewhere in random places, and then he'll just go. He'll come after quarterback. They like to put him back in coverage once in a while. So 
the initial thought with Matthews was that he would be kind of a roamer and with the women in different places. And that's exactly how it's played out for Dexter Fowler, not Dexter Fowler, Dante Fowler. It's not the baseball player, Dante Fowler. He, I don't know why, but some folks have criticized his play this year in the national media. The Steelers, when they scouted him, one of their writers said that he wasn't playing well this year. What are we talking about? He's been exactly what the Rams need him to be off the edge coming in. He'll, you'll find a lot in the edge. They don't blitz a whole lot with him, but he gets the quarterback. He just gets there. And it's usually set up by Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald will usually line up on the right-hand side of the defensive line against that the offensive line's left-hand side. And he's usually seeing at least double coverage, sometimes triple coverage on him. And that is... That's creating problems because these other guys are just loose going after quarterbacks. That all said, the Rams can pass rush. They can come after quarterback. They don't always do it. They don't always get the quarterback as much as they should considering how much attention's put on Aaron Donald. When you have three guys on Aaron Donald, you should be able to get someone to the quarterback quicker. You should have you really should see Trubisky running for his life on Sunday night. And he might be, but I have my doubts. I really do because they are so inconsistent there in terms of what they produce in the field. Uh, anything else on the Rams you want us to know? Obviously, between you and I, uh, you're the expert on that team. So if there's anything else that you think that uh, myself and our listeners would kind of benefit from learning more about, I'd be all ears. Well, the Rams are showing some signs of unraveling a little bit. We saw that in the third quarter. In the third quarter of the game against the Steelers, we saw Jared Goff take a nick. They pull him out of the game, and Blake Bortles comes in and runs the football on third down. Then they fake a, a, fake a punt on their own 30. That's just not something they did before. It's just something they would have done in that situation unless they, if they felt confident. Nothing was confident about it. And after the game, when asked about the Bortles play, for example, they told fans, well, we had, it was a set design play. Stop it. Just stop. It was a design play. You, you know full well you pulled Jared Goff out of the game and check on him. So just tell the fans that. Same thing I was talking about earlier about Gurley. So they're not really, they're playing this game and they're, they're trying to cover these, and the fans know it. Like, and people know it. But the decisions they're making with it, the fake punt, the, the run with Bortles, they blow your mind. And you're seeing the team itself on the sidelines and on the field. When they're down, you're seeing it. This is the NFC champions, man. Your head should never be down, but their head should I, There were times in that Seahawks game, and this is a close game all the way through, where these guys were looking at their feet while the serious players were sitting there dancing. And uh, that that tells me a lot about where they are. They're not their heads aren't right right now. Their heads aren't they aren't confident in who they are. They don't know who they are. They don't know how they're gonna win a game. They don't know how to be successful at this moment in time. And that's a scary thing when just a few weeks ago we thought this was gonna be a playoff team. We thought this was going to be a possible even Super Bowl team again. 
and that's that that's not that's not good. Now, usually I end every Meet the Opponent episode with a two-part question asking you, you know, why will your team win and what's going to take for your team to lose? But since I gave a prediction on your show, I need to turn the tables <laughs> and kind of put you on the spot. Uh, how do you see this thing ending up on Sunday night? Bears 28-10. Really? Yeah. Why so? I, I, I... <sighs> Going home should be an advantage for the Rams. They haven't played well at home this year. I the ment- the team's mentality right now. I don't see them really straight. I, I know that you know when you came on our show, you mentioned that you're not going to pass rush, you're not getting these things to happen. I don't think it's going to matter because that offensive line is in such bad condition right now you're going to be able to at least look at what other teams have done on film and copy it. And sooner or later, Khalil Mack is going to break out. And who better to break out against than against an, an offense that is not equipped to deal with him right now? They're not. With all that, with all those factors there, this team is turnover prone. This team is not committing to a running game. And... Now you now even your three fifths year offensive line is injured, so I don't really see things playing out well for the Rams right now. I just don't see it. I and it's it, I know it's weird for me to say that because the Bears are struggling in a in such a similar way offensively. But if you, let me just say it this way. You're the Los Angeles Rams coming off a bye. You've had two weeks to prepare for a huge game against one of the legendary franchises in the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a game that you should be prepared for mentally, physically, everything. You are notoriously a good road team in the last two years under McVay. You've never lost to an AFC team under McVay. And you go out to Pittsburgh and you play like a team that is undisciplined and not confident and not capable of playing the long game. And with that all there in mind, then losing that game and going home to play a team that is one of the teams that really exposed some of their problems last year. I'm just not confident that they're going to be able to do it. I mean, the defense is better than last year. It's much better than last year. It's a very good defense. This is top 10, maybe even top 5 defense. But they can't carry the entire team throughout the rest of the season. And I just don't see, I don't see the offense right now being locked in. That's And that's why I, I think this is not even going to be a Bears win, but a, so be a chance for the Bears to get healthy. Interesting. That's an interesting take. Uh, you know my thoughts. I express those over on your show. But again, the Bears, we've only scored more than I think. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, 
Getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. 20 or 23 once, and I was against Washington and that lowly defense. So I have a hard time envisioning 28 against you guys, but I'm not going to mind your optimism or lack of optimism for our offense, your defense. Well, I'm thinking you guys will probably get a couple turnovers. Easy. Those will help. Um, So, I mean, it's... I, by the way, I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm yeah, hoping I'm wrong. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> Obviously. Um, I hope that these guys go back and get in gear, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of leadership. And I guess what I know I'm I'm talking a lot here on this, and, and maybe this kind of correlates with your, your guy. I know Matt Nagy's having a hard time there. And so for Bears fans especially, I hope you hear this and take heart. Both these coaches are young coaches. And I think our instant – our instant response when the team struggles under these young coaches is to get impatient, tear them up, want to push the team to fire them, and so on and so forth. And I think that's a huge mistake. Uh, with Matt Nagy, it's clear the guy is a good coach. But just like football players have an off season, literally during the season, so do coaches. No one's perfect. These guys are both young. They are never going to be perfect in every year out. They need to learn. I think of Bill Cower when the Steelers when, when the Steelers hired him, they were successful fairly quickly. Then he would have a couple down years here and there, up and down, up and down. I, I was sort of hearing people saying, well, with, you know, get rid of Cower, get rid of Cower. He's not winning Super Bowl. They went six and ten. Get rid of Cower. And then before you know it, they finally get that Super Bowl. And he retires having set the team to win another Super Bowl a short time later. And they've built entire culture there in Pittsburgh to, to continue being successful to where Mike Tomlin years later still has that team competing every year. So with a guy like Sean McVay and Matt Nagy, hang in there. Don't push this guy out, these guys out over a year or two of some bad fortune. Hang in there. Let these guys learn the ropes a little bit because it's clear they got they have the chops to do it. Let them learn the ropes, and you're going to find stability in these franchises to win long-term. It's not the short game. It's the long game in the NFL if you're going to be a successful franchise, a contender every year. Great stuff there, Derek. I want to thank you again for hopping on the show. Really appreciate your time this week, and thanks for all the insight on the L.A. Rams. You got it. Thanks a lot. Well, that'll do it, Bears fans. I hope that you enjoyed Derek's insight on the L.A. Rams. Up next, we'll be back with another edition of the Audio Mailbag. And then, of course, Nick and I will be here in just a short time after that for our weekly game preview episode. So until next time, Bear Down, Chicago. Bear down.